Hello and welcome to the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. My name is Ross LeCain. I'm bringing my 25 years industry experience together with leading experts around the globe to give you the insights on how to live a better life and grow a profitable mortgage broking business that you are proud of. Welcome to another episode of the Billion Dollar Broker. My name's Ross LeCain and we've got a special guest from the other side of the country, the lucky side of the country at the moment, Adam Donald from Capita Finance. He's a franchise owner. He's got three uh, franchises with the Capita Group. He's one of AFG's uh, best brokers in WA. And a couple of years ago, he was awarded the Best Broker Award, which is quite a prestigious award in WA. You know, numerous other awards, uh, Adam, from you know, Best Residential Broker at the Better Business Awards, Customer Service Awards. You mentioned your mum's uh, won the Loan Administrator Award and, you know, she works in your business. So congratulations. So looking forward to, you know, having a conversation and sort of unpacking, you know, what sort of led to, to these awards. So where I like to start is sort of give me a bit of an introduction. I know, you know, you've been in broking since 2005. So give me a bit of a sort of introduction in terms of how you came to become a, a broker. Yeah, um, thanks for having me firstly, Ross. Uh, yeah, I, I was actually well, very young, late teens, and I was working in an aloe vera distributor, which I tell a lot of people when I was 19, serving aloe vera to old ladies that used to buy it by the, by the leaders. And <laughs> my boss at the time, actually, her son owned a brokerage and said, oh, you'd be great at this, you know, you're personable, People like to talk to you. At that point, I had no no desire to have a career, so I quit that job, which was a part time job. Went worked in bars for a couple of years, and then went travelling for a year. Came back, had dropped out of uni twice with no degree, and I gave her a call back and said, "Is that opportunity to meet your son still available?" And he kind of met with him. Didn't need to hire me at the time. Obviously, it was a very different low doc no doc kind of era back then. Didn't need to hire a young young kid looking to make a name for himself. But uh, no, he did. He gave me an opportunity. Um, wasn't around, allowed to ride alone for about nine months being there. So I had to just learn and work in a bar every evening and just listen to all the other brokers. And uh, yeah, that's how I kind of got started and was with him for, for a while and now, yeah. now at Capital. So what do you remember from those early days when you weren't being able to sort of ride alone? What do you remember... <laughs> from those sort of early days in the nine months and sort of listening to the conversations of other brokers in the office? Like, like I said, it was, um, it was a different time to, you know, the compliance world and, you know, pre-GFC, you know, loans where there was just crazy things going on. But I remember my first day, it was, if you know WA, it was in O'Connor, it was in a warehouse, an old cool or cozy warehouse, which is a roof insulation company which they had converted and it was it, it was like the wolf of wall street there was a ferrari a porsche a land rover and you walked in there and guys were just on the phones um you know, males and females and it was just yeah everyone was out there just doing their thing and it was it was interesting because i was you know uh, i'd been thrown in the deep end had no idea and it was just learning and what i loved about those days was all the guys then who were doing extremely well extremely well um, still gave me the time to take me out and, you know, learn all what they do individually. I've kind of still remember that I've taken certain things from certain brokers and still kind of use those little little facets that they had a part of their probably interview process with the client. And I still do them today. And they, they're the kind of moments I love in those first nine months, even though I wasn't allowed to earn a dollar while there. So, 
Yeah. So, so in that interview process, what are some of the things that you would still do today, for example, in your interview process that you picked up way back then? Yeah, I, one in particular, there was this guy, Howard, who's still in the industry, great guy. Um, he would always say, look, and it was kind of insulating himself and his team from actually being in trouble. He would literally say, look, the bank's going to take some time here. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. But I'm going to call you and say, you remember that time I told you the bank's taking their time? This is it. And that would allow him to kind of break the ice when things are going wrong or you've got to go get more documents, which today, you know, as, as a broker, you know, compliance and, you know, having to do, you know, credit proposals again because things change. You kind of have to have that dialogue at the start to be able to allow them to understand, well, look, this isn't you. Everyone goes through this process because it's a kind of evolving market and constantly changing around, you know, how compliance is done and best interest duties and so on and so forth. So, Yeah, beautiful. I, I was once told it's like a, you know, it's like a plane taking off and, and you're like the stewardess, right? We yeah. can't guarantee that you're not going to run into turbulence yeah. Um, because, you know, throughout the process, there is quite a lot of turbulence. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, a, a crappy, you know, credit assessor, whether it's, um, you know, something that banks or someone drops the ball, there's yeah. going to be stuff that happens. And our job is to make your flight as smooth as possible so we Correct. can actually get you into your home. So I thought, you know, that's similar, but I think it's a similar sort of an analogy to what you're saying. I think as well, he would say, you know, he would actually give himself a few steps. So he'd go, look, it's going to happen a few times. And if it went like one time, they'd go, yeah, no problem. Two times, yeah, no problem. If something for a third time happened that wrong, he'd, go, he'd just call them up. He goes, it's just one of those files, right? Like you just, and kind of make a joke of it. And he was he was a guy, and I assume he still is, obviously, we don't work together now, but he could make a joke at the expense of the client within the first five minutes and talk about, you know, a customer liking you. That's a, that's a, a pretty impressive thing to really, you know, break the ice with someone in that, you know, that meeting. Because by myself, you know, I got a lot of a lot of colleagues in the industry that make clients come to them. I, I'm still at the kitchen table, you know, 17 years, and I, I kind of love that. That uh, people really value that time at the house and you know, meeting kids and dogs and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, and it's great. I think that's a great lesson for your loan administration staff too. Like, treat yeah. your clients as humans. You know, have a bit of fun with them. Have a joke. Yeah. Then when you ask them for that outstanding document, it doesn't feel as hard, right? It's yeah. um, because you've had a bit of fun. You've shown that you're human. You understand, you know, their humanity. And then it's easy then to get what you need. I think when you know, people just go up and sort of are pretty abrupt and just yeah. ask for what they need and forget about, hey, you've got actually a real person with a client and they're yeah. looking for, you know, the main thing that they want is a connection, right? And uh, they want to have a laugh and they want it to be an enjoyable process. So put that first and foremost, and then obviously, um, your needs will, will come will yeah. come second and you know i had a loan administrator and she won loan administrator of the year as well and she was great at doing that right just yeah. really, really good at uh, you know building that rapport and then you know getting what she want right so yeah, yeah. definitely great tip there i so, think as well i think sorry just i think you know we joke it's it's about them having like you said understanding that you're human as well and you know, I joke about it with real estate agents all the time because I'm heavy in real estate and they go, you know, you're just another broker. And I'll say, you know, you're just another real estate agent as well. We're all in this together. 
but you sell the dream of a house. I sell 30 years of debt. Who's, who's the better salesperson, right? So, you know, it's all about, it's all about having a laugh and keeping it, keeping it a bit lighthearted, you know? So. Oh, exactly. It's just a game. It's just Correct. a game. Just Definitely. a game. Definitely. So that's how you got started. So tell me, um, you know, so obviously how did you end up, you know, as a, I mentioned, you said you were the first franchise, one of the first franchise owner at Capita. So how did you sort of, you know, venture into Capita and, and get started there with your own business? Yeah, so I um, obviously about seven and a half years ago, I thought it was time. Um, I learned a lot off my ex-business partner. He was my mentor as well, but uh, it was time after about nine years together to probably start again. I wasn't growing where I needed to be and I was 30. Um, I went to my aggregator uh, at the time, Jeremy Whelans, who gave me some advice. And I said, look, mate, you know, can I leave? You know, is, is there opportunities out there? And he said, Adam, you're, you know, you're 30 years old with nine years experience, where do you want to go? So um, got offered a couple of gigs at a couple of different uh, places. And I met uh, Jill McLean down at Capita. Um, it was the general manager who'd been taken on there. And realized there was a lot of growth potential. Some of the other opportunities were limited to certain, certain real estate offices because I knew I wanted to go in that real estate path rather than doing construction loans and so on and so forth because I, I like the, the high intensity and the quick turnaround of that, you know, as, as, as brokers like that kind of rather than the drag out of the construction period kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's been great. I've, I've never looked back and, you know, started where we were, you know, when I joined Capita, probably two mil a month and it's now, at, you know, on about 10 mil a month in settlements. So it's, it's great. It's really good. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. And you mentioned um, that you were big in real estate. So is that how you got sort of started in Capita with lots of real estate agent referrals and so forth? Yeah. So it, it, as I said earlier, it's, it's kind of based on a model where you, you would be given a real estate office um, so I joined in an office and again, you know, real estate agents, they've obviously always got their own people already. So it's trying to break into those people. It's all well and good that the boss of the real estate agents to say that you should be using this guy for finance when, as we all know, especially in real estate, they've, they've got their uh, allegiances and, you know, there's commission payments and so on. So it took a bit of time to learn the lingo and learn all that, um, that space, I guess. But yeah, it allowed me to meet uh, meet real estate agents, see how they operate, and then try and, uh, I, I guess, change my process to kind of help them facilitate sales and, more importantly, get more listings. So, you know, I, I think a lot of brokers out there always focus on the buyer, the buyer, the buyer, but, you know, what about what about the seller? You know, there's if that person's selling a house for $750,000, they are probably going to a 1.2. So it's about helping that process on the other side, you know? So... There's a lot of business out there and if you can look at it from every which angle you know there's opportunity in, in every person you meet i guess so yeah beautiful i love a couple of things you said there one is in terms of breaking in um because there's not too many where the door is wide open with these referral relationships right anyone that's any good and um has been around for a while would have come across numerous mortgage brokers right so it is around breaking in and sort of putting yourself as that sort of point of difference. And I love what you said in terms of changing your process to sort to, you know, suit the real estate agents, right? So what can I do differently in my own business that's going to add value 
to who I want to target and who I ultimately want to work with, right? And it's really you know, the same way that I, I say, you know, build your business around the customer. Yeah. It's building your business around the referrer in terms of, all right, and they're one of your biggest customers at the end of Correct. the day. Because 100%. So, you know, talk to me a little bit about what are some of the things that you did within your process to change it to, to sort of add value to a real estate agent partner. I think, you know, being grand final week, it's probably, you know, it's probably the one percenters that um, you, you do, which are not potentially dollar productive, but um, just it's the break in. You, you got to kind of, you know, cut your teeth a little bit with real estate agents to get the trust up, you know, from making, helping making calls when I would just joined uh, the group, you know, on home open data, which, you know, they might have hundred people through the home open, probably not back then. It's a bit more like that now, but um, you know, making those calls to kind of qualify whether they've got a listing, but then also talking about whether we could obtain finance for them to potentially get a client pre-approved because they might have another stock that they could sell them or mm. having a quick two-minute conversation with the client um, before they put in an offer, even though they'd been to the bank, having a conversation with the broker to be able to give that real estate agent the peace of mind if, if they accept that offer, they know it's they're not going to have to call their vendor in two weeks to say it's been declined. We didn't really know because the branch person didn't really tell us anything. So, you know, and, you know, not obviously, you know, going past privacies and that, but, you know, those, those kind of things are uh, allows an agent to really get that trust because there's no money in it at that point, yeah. but it will allow you to, to break in and show that there is something more than just writing a home loan for someone. Because I think a lot of real estate agents have this idea that, you know, brokers are out for just themselves where, it's a symbiotic relationship. We're in this together. In my world, if you're not selling houses, people aren't writing loans. And if they don't have the money, they're not buying the house. So they go hand in hand. So. Yeah, love that. I mean, there's so much value in that in terms of, you know, people struggle for people to call and, you know, you've built a relationship, got access to their open house list. Yes, you've got access to their open house list, but you're creating value for them. First and foremost, you're looking for listings for them. And then as a side, you'll ask them a question about finance, right? But you're providing value for them. It's probably not something that they enjoy doing. I don't find too many people that love banging phones. So if you're someone that's happy to bang phones on their behalf, they're going to be more than happy to sort of uh, give you the, the list of data to be able to go and do that. And then secondly, you know, it's not around always around a referral fee. It's around their time, right? You waste yeah. a couple of weeks on the wrong buyer and that falls over because he can't get his loan approved. And yeah. I've be able to sort of do a quick qualification for you in a couple of minutes to say, hey, is he worth pursuing? You know, that's valuing them, which is their most precious commodity, which like everyone, it's their time, right? So yeah, really, really important. I love that. I love that. So that was sort of, um, you know, how you got started. So do you still do a lot with real estate agents today? Yeah, so uh, that office is still around that I've joined. It's just, um, as you know, you know, the, obviously the podcast with other people, but as you as you get bigger, the um, the business gets bigger. And so, you know, where I deal with a lot of real estate agents around town now that not are only in that office, but are obviously out there independently, whether it's an actual physical whole office of uh, agents I deal with or just individuals. And what that is, is, you know, it's the little things again, by picking up those referrers, it's calling the agent when you, when you get the offer and acceptance for your client, you might have a client pre-approved, 
you get they go i've got a house you go amazing congratulations but giving that one call to that agent that they're buying off to say hey it's adam my team deborah denise and kelly they're going to be in contact this is what's going to happen valuation is going to be ordered we're going to need a copy of the deposit receipt we'll call you as soon as or if there's anything and that one thing allows them to go oh these these guys know what they're doing and you kind of get a, a name around town that if, if if my company and my franchises are working on it well it's going to get approved and that's obviously allowed the business to grow exponentially because the level of trust in my referrers is a big thing you know clients trust us but so should the referrers as well and being in real estate as you said their biggest commodity is selling homes so they need to know that if they are putting me in contact with their clients that it's it's going to go ahead yeah beautiful Beautiful. Is there anything else in terms of dealing with the real estate agents that you know other brokers um, should know if they want to sort of delve into dealing with real estate agents? Yeah. Been doing it for many, many years. Um, yeah. Look, re real estate. As I said, we we should be working hand in hand. But the, the one big thing it's communication. Like, don't the one thing I tell a lot of like the guys that have worked for me and are working for me, even my staff. I will say, if we've got a finance due date. We on a Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. and we know we're not going to hit that. We don't call them at Friday on Friday at 3:30 p.m. We call them two days before, warning them that this could go over because there's delays with credit, new credit assessors, and they're not picking up the file. It's nothing to do with the client. It just can't get picked up physically. But that communication of two days before allows them to not have to call their seller on the weekend and then they stress all weekend because you got to, as I tell my buyers or borrowers or clients there's another side to the story as well you got someone waiting for this finance yes you want to buy this house but there's also that other person that wants to sell and they're trying to buy something so it's if communication doesn't break down everything should be smooth and you can't write real volume without pure communication because that will allow you to allow well allow you to write more business because the the, the dialogue is flowing easily between every party settlement agents real estate agents referrers, clients, everything, so. Yeah, I love that. And I love the fact that you guys do it on the client's behalf because you got to put yourself in the client's shoes, right? This is yeah. their dream home. They're panicking. I don't want to lose that property. If I go over the finance clause, I don't want to pick up the phone and call the agent because I'm scared. Just the fact that you go, hey, I've already done it. I've done it today. They've got warning. You know, it, it really puts them at ease. They don't have to actually think about making a call. So they're the one percenters that you're talking about that not are only great for your referral partner, but it's the customer, you know, experience and the customer service that you're providing to the client and saying, okay, and you're making it easy for them because they don't even need to pick up the phone to the real estate agent because you've already yeah. Yeah. I think as well, like the one other thing I should say is like, it's, it's even going further than that, like where I'm happy to make a call to the vendor because sometimes hearing it from the real estate agent, that's why you get more buy-in from the real estate agent is making a call to the vendor. They're hearing it from me, not the same real estate agent that they've been hearing for the last month, like hearing it direct from the broker saying, look, there's nothing wrong. Here is me telling you, look, we need a couple of days. It's probably going to come in Monday, Tuesday. If it comes in over the weekend, great. But at least they're hearing it from another party. Whereas, you know, a lot of vendors, they hear from real estate agents time and time again. But in that four weeks of 28 days that it's been delayed, it's been delayed. They don't want to hear it the last minute. Oh, yeah, it's been delayed. They need someone else to say it's been delayed, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just communication. It's so critical, especially with real estate. It's If that breaks down, yeah, your relationships break down. So. 
Yeah, definitely. We were talking before and you said one of the areas that you, you know, you're strong at, and again, it's, it's not with referral partners, but still in that sort of real estate space was around, you know, how you differentiate yourselves from other brokers is what you do around education. So you want to tell me in terms of, you know, what you do with your clients, whether it be a first home buyer or an upgrader, in terms of the, that sort of differentiates you guys apart? Yeah, I guess, you know, I think as we were talking before, um, in, in the Eastern States, the auction is the purest form of selling. So, you know, you're there on the day, you, you buy a house, whereas in, in real estate in WA, there's 28 days finance, but to, before you get that house, there's set date sales, expressions of interest, offers, no price, um, you know, and you just don't know, you know, agents are using marketing to obviously get the best possible price for their client, which is what they need, you know, they should be doing. So it, it's about have, having to negate, um, navigate that process. So, you know, it'll be calls to the agent before they make an offer to try and see if the client's in a ballpark, because there's nothing more dejecting for my clients, whether it be first home buyers, upgraders, looking at something that they really want. But if they're 50 grand apart, there's no point talking about a property that, that they're never going to get, you know? So it's about that education piece, but also kind of giving as much information to my clients so they can make an educated decision on what they want to do. But, you know, in this time, you know, as a lot of brokers out there would have heard in, you know, at my age, you know, a lot of clients say, you know, I remember when rates were 18, 19%, the late 80s, early 90s. I go, yep, I totally get that. But in 20 years time, this generation is going to be the people that say, I remember when it had a one in front of it. So it's going to be arguing from a different point, but it's about people understanding, yes, you know, you can buy these properties just because you have an idea that you should only be buying a property for 500,000. Well, this is what we can get pre-approved for. So the client would go maybe get pre-approved for 600,000 because they now know that that extra hundred grand is only going to cost them X and they go shop below that 600. So it's about giving that education piece about where they feel comfortable because it's important to own property, but it's important to have a lifestyle while owning property. And that's really critical with my, the way I go about things. Cause I just want my clients to be happy where they're going in that dream home, but they, they need to have a life with it while they do it. Yeah, definitely. I, I know I used to go through the, you know, the seas of lending. I'm saying there's two borrowing capacities, yeah. right? One is the capacity that you're comfortable with. Yeah. But the second is the, you know, the capacity that the, the bank, will lend you and they're two different things and I don't think enough people sort of have that conversation and probably why you know around the country there is so much mortgage stress because people do buy it off a little bit more than they can chew yeah. from time to time uh love it so then you know that's just one of the areas that you sort of provide that sort of education around you know the buying process is there anything else that you do in terms of around education um, for your clients Oh, look, yeah, look, I've got, I've got a big team that do a lot of um, the amount of property reports we must do a week for a client is out, of, you know, for a specific client. I think uh, Deb was telling me a couple of weeks ago that we got up to 48 property reports for one client looking to buy houses. So, you know, it, it's just data, like people just want to know. And it's, it's probably being available, even though it's, could be a five second conversation to give that client that peace of mind. And as I tell every client, 99% of the time we're going to be on the same page because it's about minimizing cost. But I think it's about them being informed of 
Um, you know, what does it cost? What does it look like? You know, if I offer this, what happens? You know, it, people just want knowledge. And with that, that education piece about if this happens, this will happen and so on and so forth. They understand the full process. I think clients can, as I said, make an informed decision. And unfortunately, you know, there's some, there's some still some brokers out there that don't give that, that understanding. Like I have to come in and save some deals where the client doesn't even know what bank they're going to, you know? So that is a problem. And I think if brokers go out there and educate their, their customers, they'll, um, they'll succeed a lot more and business will flow on because they'll have a great experience. And as I tell all my clients, if you have a great experience, you might tell a few people, you have a bad experience, you'll tell everyone. So. Exactly. Exactly. In terms of, um, you know, you've mentioned your team a lot. So obviously, you know, that's important. And, you know, I can just hear through the conversation, you're constantly referring to your team. So it's not, um, it sounds like it's just not the Adam Donald show. It's the way that you present your whole business is around your team. Do you want to talk a little bit on that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've got, I've got three assistants and a couple of years ago, we were scrambling a little bit when you start to write volume, um, as, as most people would know, it's, it, it gets, it, it gets really messy, like communication. And as I go back to it, communication starts to break down between, uh, you know, me and my staff or even the real estate agents and worst case of all, you know, if it was to break down with the client, right? So I went back, we had a reshuffle. I've got three assistants, um, but what I've done is I've, I've segmented them in what departments they kind of work. Um, so I've got uh, Kelly, who is amazing. She's very organized, compliance driven and does full um, upfront. So that will be uh, submitting the deal and getting all documents together. And we, we go through that process. Uh, once it gets submitted, Deb takes over. That's my mum. She works for me. She's amazing. She's one uh, the best uh, loan administrator a couple of years ago. So she takes it from settle, um, submission to settlement and to the point where she will even help through the drawdowns for the next year on the construction process. And then also, la well, lastly is Denise who's with me and Denise does pricing, switches, valuations uh, and all the uh, unfortunately grunt work for Denise, but uh, she does it well. And because they, uh, they all work you know, together and there's a lot of communication, allows them to focus on what they need to do and they do it well. And it allows me to do what I do well and that's be in front of clients and meeting, uh, meeting new people or referrers or you know, whoever I can help at that and because that's a what I enjoy doing, and mm. b they um they they I hope enjoy helping me do what we do as a as a team. So. Yeah, definitely, I love that. It gives you a chance to what I call the dollar productive activities to focus right. on the dollar productive activities. And uh, I used to say, yeah, I'm the one that runs through the wall and makes the mess, and I've got a team that that comes through and and cleans it up after yeah. me. And, and you know, it sounds like you're a bit the same. You've got that. Um, team that will do the first part which is the front end which there's a lot of work in these days in terms of you know document collection living expenses statements putting a deal together getting the client um you know, to sign the document and, and that in and lodged and then um you've got the next person you deb you, your mum who does the, the the tracking all the way from submission all the way through to um settlement then you've got the post settlement stuff. And as your book grows and you get more and more clients, there's that sort of side of the business is, is really uh, ongoing. 
So in terms of the other thing that I picked up is you mentioned that, okay, there's certain triggers that happen when you know that it's time to grow, right? So talk to me about when you know that it's right to put another person into the mix. Well, I think um, you, you learn, you know what's happening within your business. If you, if you really know your numbers and where you're trying to go or what you're planning on doing, you, you have to have strategies in place. So, you know, the one big thing was when I joined Capital was, I was always used to having a back office person um, at my previous place. So uh, Deb came on um, to help me with that process. And then I realized, well, we're hitting a certain volume amount, um, but I was doing the submissions myself. And I said, well, to, to write the volume I wanna write, we have to bring on another person. So Kelly took, came on. And then after that, we realized, well, how do we manage the back book? And that's when Denise kind of came on. So there, there's certain trigger points in your business where you kind of, get to where you just go okay well to maintain this level you, you have to have the right people around you and i for me growth is all about the team right so i cannot perform the way i do without them i could not tell you today what any of those three are doing today i know that they're all working very hard because they are very proactive and i think that is a big thing in our industry is to always be working with people that are proactive rather than reactive um, otherwise your business just will not grow and then also, you know, when you want to slow it down and not be absolutely bombarded every day, um, you bring on other brokers. So, you know, it does take a bit of pressure on, you know, the volume because as, as you were saying, you know, people want to buy this house, you could get a call at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. Whereas if you can start shooting off some deals to brokers that work for you, well, they're taking a bit of the workload off, not only off me, but also the staff because, they don't obviously use my assistance. They they do their own processing and so on and so forth. So I think trigger points of it's all about the people around you allow you to really grow to where you want to be. Um, but it's about having the right people around you as well. So. Yeah. So when you, you talked a lot about strategy, so what's your strategy moving forward? Like where do you see yourself in the next few years and what's the sort of, what, what do you envisage your team looking like in the future? Yeah, well, I, I envisage, like, there's a fair few brokers out there in capital, there'd be about 12, but I want to, I'm, you know, the target is to be over 50% of the business, uh, that's internally at capital, but there is a, I guess, a target of, you know, more taking time, work-life balance kind of thing, so that, that will require bringing on new brokers to obviously uh, offset the workload, so... For me, I, I guess it's more about getting to a point where you kind of go, let go, but also know that everyone that you're letting go to is, it's just humming. Like the, I talk about it with my team all the time. It's the humming number where you can get this flow where no one's ever, you know, pulling their hair out and all that kind of stuff. And the business is still continually coming through. The customers are happy. The, the, the vendors are happy. That is where I'm trying to get to. And we're not there yet. Like we still need, there's still things we constantly need to tweak and, as you know, with best interest, duties, compliance, living expense, it's this evolving market. So I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I'm probably still going to be on the tools for the next 10 years. I'm only 38 at the minute. So the, the probably, the, you know, I'll slow it down when I'm maybe 45 and then, you know, kind of gradually go a bit more, but who knows? I love it too much. I, I, I love being with the customer. I love the problem solving of how we're going to help them get from that 500,000 to that, you know, $800,000 house. So. 
Yeah, it's great. And suddenly it always changes. And that's one of the great things about bringing a broker, right? Yeah. No, no one situation is the same, you know, or, you know, every client is slightly different. So having a job that sort of varies so much and having to come up with a, you know, a different scenario and a different strategy for each client is uh, definitely one of the things that, uh, that is, is great about broking, that's for sure. So in terms of, um, you know, obviously thinking about things that are about broking, one of the, the things that we were sort of chatting off air before is around, okay, well, how can you bring some personality into the business? And one of the things that, that you commented on, and I want you to sort of, you know, talk to about what you're talking about me is really about you know, your authenticity in the business in terms of how you just love to be yourself. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, well, I guess you get to a point where you kind of, you are what you are. And I know exactly what I am as a broker, as, as a business person and a business owner. So I keep it really casual. Um, you know, some people like the really the suited person, but, you know, coming in in their fancy car and all that, I, I'm, I'm not about that. I, you either like me or you don't. And I want to be able to joke with my clients and I want to be able to go out there and, you know, have, have a conversation about, you know, what they did on the weekend or, you know, uh, something stupid that their kid did rather than, oh, you know, I can't call, you know, talk to Adam about this because this is happening. You know, people are, people are real and they, you know, everyday life happens every, every which point. And it allows me to go in there and probably have a joke. And it brings me back to that guy that taught me at the start, Howard, that guy could make a joke about someone in the first five minutes. And mm. I think that's pretty cool. Just if, if, if they don't like your personality, you don't have to work with every single client. You're not going to be able to deal with everyone. Like, you know, you, you look at the spectrums of personalities and I know I'm not great sometimes with an accountant like you because they're very number orientated. Whereas I'm more about the whole, let's, let's do this as a journey together. I really try and make it a, a bit of a, a team and my, my dialogue's all about what we are doing. Again, it's, it's their money at the end of the day, but it's about them understanding that we're going on this journey together and I, I really hope that comes across, across as authentic when I'm when people are dealing with me. Definitely. I think, you know, um, that's all really we can be if we want to be ourselves. And, you know, one of my mentors said, you know, be yourself at 110%, right? Yeah. Be yourself at 110%. Give, give as much as what you possibly can give, you know, and, and, and play to your strengths. And as you said, your strengths is, at the front in terms of building the relationships, dealing with referral partners, dealing with customers, being lighthearted, having a joke. And obviously it's working, right? To, yeah. to be one of the, the top brokers in WA, um, you know, you're obviously doing something right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Like I, I really enjoy it. And, you know, we just love helping people. And it's got to a point, you know, where you kind of just have this flow on effect from all the clients and you don't have to make as many calls, but if you, you know, you continue to do the, like I was saying, the one percenters, just because you get to a certain volume doesn't mean there can't be more. You know, I, people say, why don't you slow down a bit, a bit, and a little bit? And people, I go, well, why can't it just be more? Like, it, there's always opportunity. It's it's where you are at in life. Like, you know, we, the team goes, oh, you know, you're, like you said, you run through the wall, make a mess. I'm a hundred percent like that, right? I, 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 I'm a bull in a china shop at the best of times, like, you know, and for me, I, I just, there's, there's no, there's no slowdown. I will slow down. I know I will at some point, you'll have to, because, you know, families and all that kind of stuff. But at this point, I, I just enjoy working at the level that we do. And 
I'm, I'm so proud of, of what we've accomplished, especially my team. Without them, they, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. So, Yeah, and I think that's, you know, what you said and what comes through in terms of your voice and the way you're talking is the enjoyment, right? And I think for, it's a great lesson in terms of pick the, biz, the parts of your business, do what you love and the results will follow. You know, if it comes to a point where you're not loving it, then that's where, okay, you have to change something, right? Or, yeah. or look at another option. But for while you're still loving it, yeah, as long as you, you're happy, then that's the purpose of life, right? So yeah. you may as well, you know, do what you can and, um, and and go and really help. And as you said, take people on that journey. So I think yeah. that's um, a, a fantastic message there. Yeah. Oh, look, and it is. It's just, it's just... It, it's being a part of it with people. And that's, I think when you're dealing of hundreds of thousands, possibly million dollars of debt with people, people want to know that you're in their corner. And uh, I think authenticity and having the right people around you is, is really important because it, it allows them to have that peace of mind and that breathing space when they're, you know, those, as you, we were talking off air, it's all private treaty over here. And those 28 days of not knowing whether they've got that house or not, it is, I get some calls where, you know, it's, it, it's like counselling you. Some of these people, they they just want to be talked off the ledge, knowing that it's going to be okay. Because as as we all know, as brokers, like there can be some serious delays with credit assessment teams at the best of times. So. Yeah, I think you've got a few brokers from uh, you know the eastern states jealous at that twenty eight days cooling off period. Yeah, They've yeah. got sixty six Ws, rates to yeah. contracts, auction conditions. Yeah, um, yeah. They, I don't think they know the meaning of a twenty eight day. Think, think, think of the loan size though, Ross. <laughs> think of the loan size over there. <laughs> that, that's true. That is definitely true. You know, you probably have to write. Yeah. At least three for their one so uh it has it it has its um pros and cons that's for sure all right love it i love the conversation again we could probably go on talking for yeah. for hours i'm sure but uh we'll, we'll sort of wrap it up one of the things i like to wrap it up with is if you're giving some advice to somebody who's looking at you know really sort of taking their broking business to the next level, right? So going from that solo broker to really scaling their business, what's sort of one piece of advice that you'd give? Uh, yeah, I think I've said it a few times now, but yeah, get, get the right people around you. You, you can't write, you, you will not be able to deal with credit and meet people and do everything that you need to do as a broker by yourself. So it's about having the right team around you and getting it right. But more importantly as well, as I said earlier, having, having the proactive people, right? you, you, need, you need to really know what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. And then using those strengths to obviously grow your business and making sure that you're doing it together, not just the broker is the, you know, the face of it all. Right? Most of my clients at the end of the, you know, when I call them after settlement, it's, they don't thank me, they thank my mum. You just thank your mum. It's been great, you know, like, because that pro she's gone through that, you know. I'm very to the point. I say this is how it is and this is what's going to happen. But Deb takes on that mothering role, which allows them to breathe easy because she's kept them in the loop and Kelly's, Kelly's helped them get all the documents in because that is a process. And Denise is helping with the back end. Like, if you can have, if, and again, going back to communication, if you can communicate and have the right team around you, you can grow your business. That's, that's, but you've got to invest in people. That's really important. So 
Oh, exactly. Invest. I love that. And invest in people. Um, because if you invest in people, then you're going to give the returns. I mean, I think we all wish we had a mum like yours in our oh, business. And, yeah. uh, you know, it sounds like she does amazing work. And obviously, that she's that sort of rock in your team. Um, but I think that's a great tip and a great um, advice. And I couldn't have said it better myself. If you can't scale effectively without having the right people and the right team. And I know, you know that's something that we work a lot with in terms of my coaching clients and on my accelerator program in terms of how you get the right people, how you find them, how you train them and how you invest your time in them. So uh, yeah. love that. So look, thanks again, Adam. It's, uh, it's been a, a pleasure. I really enjoyed having you on the podcast. Thanks, Ross. I really appreciate being on the podcast. Thank you very much. No worries. Well, this has been another episode of the Billion Dollar Broker podcast. If you'd like to uh, get in touch, there's a couple of ways you can do it. Uh, one, follow the podcast on your favorite podcast channel. Uh, two, get in touch with us on the Billion Dollar Broker Facebook group and uh, request to join. Uh, and thirdly, if you'd like to reach out and you want help we've got a couple of different programs that we offer from a coaching perspective so reach out to us at the billion dollar broker or hit me up on uh, facebook instagram or linkedin and i'd uh, love to help you out so thanks again and i'll see you next time